Hey there, this is Larry, and I'm here with Armin. You're about to listen to a great episode. But before you do, we want to let you know that we're now podcasting over at the Bold Idea Podcast. That's right, and we're not adding any new episodes to Reinventure Me, but we think you're really going to like what we're doing on the Bold Idea Podcast. We're interviewing some great guests and packing ideas and inspiration to help you put your faith to work to bring your idea to life. So when you're done with this episode, go check it out at boldideapodcast.com. Episode number 20 of the Reinventure Me podcast. What might happen if you could supercharge your productivity? Well, we're going to talk about why we need to do so and three strategies to get more productive in this episode of Reinventure Me. Find your next great beginning. Welcome to the Reinventure Me podcast with your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. Well, let me say it again. Welcome to this episode of Reinventure Me. I'm Larry Gates. And Armin Asadi. And we are here looking forward to just diving in on this topic of Reinventure Me. Right. Uh, how have 20. you been? Hey, it's episode 20, Larry. Episode two zero. This is a celebratory day for us. All right. What are we going to do? I have no idea. Probably going to work. <laughs> oh, all right. A normal work day. <laughs> well, we're so glad you're part of this show. This is the podcast where we like to talk about what's next in life. And we believe that we should always never stop asking the question. Say, so I put always and never right there together, which is kind of like a a double emphasis. You should always never stop asking what you want to be when you grow up. And uh, this is the show about where we discover what our next great beginning is. If you're just tuning in, you don't know how this works, uh, you'll find everything at reinventure.me. And specifically, if you're looking for today's show notes, go to reinventure.me slash two zero. That will get you to episode 20's show notes. We usually kick off each episode with an inspire me. New sound. I like it. It's great. Wow. All right. Well, you were, you were asleep at the switch because we actually introduced that last week. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, you got to call me out, Larry. <laughs> All right. So for our Inspire Me quote today is, uh, it's a quote. <laughs> Thanks, Larry. I'm fully inspired. Is a quote by Leo Tolzoy, uh, Tolstoy, uh, who's one of the greatest novelists. He wrote War and Peace and a bunch of other great books. Um, and his quote was, the most important knowledge is that which guides the way you lead your life. So I'll say that one more time. The most important knowledge is that which guides the way you lead your life. Hmm. Isn't that good? I love that. We don't often think about how we're living our life. We just go out and do it. Yeah. And Tolstoy is a really good example of that. Yes. I don't yes. know if you've read War and Peace. I, I, I've, I've, I've attempted, I'll say. <laughs> well, I have not. Yeah, I've never actually finished it. <laughs> There's something about six volumes, 400,000 words, 580 characters, uh, just a little bit much for my appetite. Yeah. But he was prolific. You know, he wrote that book over the course of six years. The first volume mm. was published in under a year. Wow. And uh, he's a pretty good person to speak out about examining your life and how you live yeah. it. And really today's topic about productivity. Hmm. So looking forward to diving in on that. Right. Now, if you're a regular listener to this podcast, you're probably already productive. And, you know, <laughs> right? I mean, you're, if you're listening to a podcast, it's because you're wanting to improve yourself. And That's so right. that means, hey, you're already, you're already working on that. And, 
you know, there's a lot of tools out there to get productive. It seems like everywhere you turn, there's another app for this and another website for that. And That's right. How do you keep up with all of it? I don't. Yeah. Oh, well, I can't. <laughs> I turn to you. Well, you know, I mean, I was, um, <laughs> for those few members in our audience are, that is older, older than I am, remember <laughs> the first personal computer that came out on the market. And the promise was that these personal computers were going to save so much time. Hmm. Right. Okay. And it's just kind of ironic that the one thing that seems to take all the time is the one thing that was promised to save it. Right. And now we have apps on that very thing to save all the time that we're spending on the thing that we're trying to save time on. There's this, <laughs> there's a certain irony to me in all this, but um, has it allowed us to get more productive? I don't know. <laughs> well, let me ask you a question, Larry. Yeah. So why should we be so intentional about being productive? You know, it's a great question, and it's not something that many of us think about how we get productive. We think that we are productive, we like to think of ourselves as pretty being productive, and we might like to think that we would like to be more productive, right. but do we intentionally practice what it means to say, okay, I'm going to make the changes to get more productive, not just more proficient. See, you can get more proficient when you do the same thing over and over and over again. Hmm. But being more productive means you're willing to break the strategies or the, the habits that you might have formed in the past in order to gain new habits hmm. that make you more productive. Hmm. So you have to give something up in order to get something. Often we're not willing to do that. We just want to become more proficient. So we think that becoming more proficient is becoming more productive. Well, it is, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're becoming as productive as you could possibly be. Hmm. And I had this come to me personally in a, in a very serious way when I turned 50. <laughs> and you're, you're probably experienced this too. I mean, <laughs> you know, this, uh, this, for me, the time for turning 50 wasn't like a, a regret or remorseful or, you know, uh, uh, one of those black birthday celebration things. Right. It wasn't doom. It's more like this on switch got turned on yeah. inside me. Yeah. And I became much more aware of the need that I have mm. to spend the remainder of my days being as effective as I can possibly be. Hmm. So and and impacting the day. world. Huh? Yeah. Just to make the most of each day. Make the most of every opportunity, as it says in Ephesians 5.15. And hmm. that was the thing that I think before that time... I was sitting there thinking, yeah, I'm getting more proficient, but I wasn't using that language. Hmm. Uh, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm getting better and better in every day and every way. I'm getting better and better, just like the line from the Pink Panther. <laughs> and I didn't feel like I was really making the structural shifts in my life that I needed to to take it seriously. Hmm. And one day I read uh, 1 Corinthians 9.25, where Paul says, everyone who competes in the game goes into strict training. Hmm. And the words that stood out for me there were strict training. Hmm. And if I had to be honest about my life up until age 50, I wouldn't say that I was in strict training. I would say that I was just like I would change if I needed to. Hmm. When you're in strict training, you change because you're trying to accomplish something. And so you're, you are being very disciplined about what you are doing. And I, I didn't really have that approach up until... Yeah. I turned 50. Well, I already feel like I, I, I'm, I'm starting to get a shift in my thinking just from having this conversation, um, just just from the way that you're breaking it and separating uh, proficiency from productivity, because in, in my head, I've never separated the two. They've always been the same. Mm -hmm. and right. I'd, I, yeah. So I, I'm already starting to see a shift in how you're talking about it. 
because I, I, I'm Mr. Efficiency. I want to make everything more efficient, but it doesn't necessarily make it the best strategy. I'm just making maybe a broken strategy more efficient. Yeah, it's kind of like a golf productive. game. You know, you can you can be more efficient in your golf swing, but it doesn't necessarily mean you have a good golf swing. Right, right? you just took it faster. Just, you, you just <laughs> you, you just did it with less effort or whatever. It doesn't look doesn't look as as tired as it as it did when you first started doing the goofy move oh man this is already a painful subject for me. i'm about to start regretting everything <laughs> sorry I do. we'll move off of golf <laughs> <laughs> but you know when we do these new beginnings when we think about a new beginning in our life we need to think about that in in fresh ways because thinking about productivity and how we do things hmm. is is going to enable us to become able to embrace a new beginning hmm I've met very few people, unless you're highly wealthy and you're considering a new beginning because you you just have all this disposable income and disposable time to go with it. Most people that embrace a new beginning have to do so in place. In other words, they have to manage the transition from one career to a new career, hmm. from one project to another project without giving up what they've already done. So getting more productive is a big key for that. Yeah. So as you've you you've kind of been a productivity hack over the years, right? You like getting stuff done. What what are some of the things that you've have you made some of these bigger changes that we're we're contemplating here or Yeah, I mean, well, I I probably won't be as strategic as what you're about to break down from the sound of things already, but I would say one of the biggest changes I made in my life was the fact that I constantly try to multitask and um and I always try to manage my time. And it was a few years back where I realized the last thing that I could ever do is manage my time. And the mm -hmm. only thing I could do is manage my priorities. Yes. And so every day I, I wake up as soon as the sleep leaves my eyes and I can actually function um, beyond a zombie. Uh, I, I start thinking about all right, what, what are my priorities for today? And I only pick three. And if it, if it's outside of those three things, I don't focus on anything else. They're just become a distraction to me. So I set my top three priorities, focus on those three things. And, and unless those three things get done, I don't think about or talk about anything else, which has helped me be a little bit more productive, which sounds crazy because I always try to tackle 10 things a day. And that gives you more focus then and clarity. Yeah. And yeah, it's the focus that really helps me be more productive. Mm -hmm. We well, hit on something a minute ago about that multitasking and you know, it's it's a myth that we can multitask. Right. We multi-switch. Exactly. And there's a switching cost right. that usually is is harder for us. I, I kind of like to multitask. I like to have a bunch of things in the air. I know. There's a sense of playing a game with it. You know, it's like, how many things can I keep track of at one time? But it's extremely unproductive to it do really so. It really is. And that's, for me, it's one of the habits that I've had to learn how to break is to say, okay, I'm not going to try to do 15 things at one time yep. because it's it's kind of mentally stimulating to do it. Yep. It's like, ah, this is kind of cool. I'm it like, really I feel the adrenaline kind of move. That's what I'm addicted to. Yeah, yeah. it's the adrenaline addiction that you yeah. get and you think that you're being productive. And so you're convinced yourself, man, I'm really screaming today because I got all this stuff done. <laughs> but you got it done at such a high overhead cost to do it all. And you miss a lot. And you probably do. Uh, well, I definitely. I, do. I don't know what I've missed. <laughs> <laughs> so what about kind you? of my definition? <laughs> so what about you? Uh, what, what what would you say is you know your tips for being more productive? Well, there's three that I want us to talk about right. today, and the first one is probably the most profound for me, and that is to arrange your work according to your energy level. Okay. When break I that down. well when I 
told you and this all came clear to me and when I turned 50 I, I had to take a look at what I was going to do and how I was going to do it and the sense of urgency said I've got to change structurally what I'm doing okay so I probably read as many books as I could get my hands on 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 productivity and and all the rest and I was a guy that didn't think much of discipline I mean what do you think of when you hear the word discipline the thing I don't have. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was me. <laughs> it's not a very friendly word. Right. It's a word that you use to say uh, it's a taskmaster. Yeah. And for me, the thing I had the hardest time with when I was thinking about what I needed to get done, you talk about your priorities, you have the three things you need to get done, your A thing, your B thing, your C thing. And for me, discipline was, okay, you're going to do the A thing, and when you get it done, you go to the B thing, and when you get it that done, you go to the C thing because you're following against your priorities. And to me, if you do that, you're a disciplined person. Hmm. Now, there's plenty of people out there, I'm sure, that have the ability to do that. Yeah, uh, I think of my wife, Anna. Yeah, She has this laser focus ability to just go and finish until she's done. I am not that person. <laughs> not at all. I. Yeah. And, and I, like, I admire it. Yeah. And there's this push me, pull you with it. I want it, yep. but I don't want it. Yep. You know, because I want it because it looks like it'd be really cool to get all that stuff done. Yep. <laughs> but I don't want it because I don't want to feel imposed by it. Right. And then I read Roy Baumeister's book, Willpower. Hmm. And that opened my eyes to a few things. Now, I'd read about willpower and self control and things like that before. But the way he put it in this book, and it's an excellent read, I highly recommend it. We'll put it in the show notes as a resource for you. But he points out, and he's one of the early pioneers in willpower research, hmm. and he points out that the willpower that we have to do something is a finite resource. And every time we make a decision that's a conscious decision, we tap into that resource. In fact, anytime we resist something, we tap into that resource. So if I decide, no, I'm not going to have that ice cream tonight, I have expended willpower in order to make that decision. Hmm. And he points out that 25% of our time every day is spent resisting something. Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah, and our reserve of willpower gets restored after we sleep. Hmm. Now think about that for a second. If you're at your best in terms of your ability to make decisions on doing things in the morning after you've had a night of sleep, and over the course of a day, you're resisting 25% of stuff you know, that's tapping into that willpower. That would suggest that by the end of the day, you're less likely to be able to do the, make the good choices yeah. in resisting things, which is why I eat ice cream late at night. Hmm. And incidentally, sugar refuels your ability to make good decisions. It's just a short-term boost, and that's why you crave it. So you're craving this restoration in the brain, so you're drink, you, you hmm. eat sugar or drink a soft drink or whatever to restore the sugar that you're desiring. Wow. But of course, if you're on a diet, if that's the thing you're trying to resist, it, it becomes a, right. a deadly cycle. But apply that to your work habits. Hmm. And this was the big change for me. When I realized that my best time for doing something was going to be in the morning, I realized that I had given up control of my agenda to others. Wow. See, I'm an extrovert. And as an extrovert, I get charged up by being with people. Right. But why not use my energy in the way that I can best benefit from it. So if I'm depleted by doing work, which everybody is because you're making decisions when you're working, and I'm restored by being with people, why not use the time in the morning to hmm. do my work and the time in the afternoon to be with people? 
So once I made that realization, I started shifting my schedule and to the degree possible that I can in my business, I shift as many appointments as I can to the afternoon. I try to stay away from morning appointments because that's my time for reading, for writing, for working on projects that require my mental energy and space to work on it. Hmm. The afternoon, starting at lunchtime and in the afternoon is when I actually have my meetings because I do not need to have the same kind of mental focus uh, requirement for me. And in fact, being with people actually replenishes me. So it keeps my energy at a high level all day. Energy high in the morning when I do the work and energy high in the afternoon when I visit with people. I love that. That's so strategic. (laughs) Yeah. And when you think about it too, if you're able to best do something in the morning, it's also the best time to tackle that uh, project that you've had, that thing you've been putting off, that frog, if you will. Uh, Nicholas Chamfort, the French revolutionary writer, said, swallow a toad in the morning and you will encounter nothing more disgusting the rest of the day. (laughs) (laughs) It's the worst advice ever. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's kind of disgusting advice, isn't it? But when you think about it, it's absolutely true that we have this thing. If we tackle our hardest thing first, our reserves are better first thing in the morning. Hmm. So that's my tip number one All right. is to you know arrange your work according to your energy. I love that. I mean, that's something that I really need to do because I'm exactly like you. I'm an extreme extrovert, get energized by people, but I wake up in the morning. Do you check straight. email? Okay, so here's the funny thing. I breezed over your ebook yeah. last night. You sent it to me, and it's all about what we're talking about today. And I got to the part where you were talking about don't read emails, don't read this, don't read that. And I remembered at one point I stopped reading them and it was the first time you sent it to me when I breezed over it and I stopped doing emails. But then I started getting all my devotionals Mm -hmm. for the morning in my emails. But now and I didn't think about it. But now I always go through my emails to get to my devotionals. So Mm -hmm. I stopped it a while ago, but then I started it again because that's where my devotionals are. Yeah. Now I'm rethinking my whole devotionals process. (laughs) Well, that's one of the challenges first thing in the morning is if you read your emails, you're likely to get off onto a million rabbit trails, which is going to consume a lot of decisions. It's like little piranhas that come after you. Everyone is a decision that takes away from your willpower reserve, which depletes you to do the bigger tasks. That's exactly what I do. Yeah. Well, I've done it too. Oh, man. All right. So here's here's strategy number two. All right. It's a very simple. Okay. Always know what to do. Oh, geez. Now, you probably already do this because you said you sit down and you make your list and all the rest. And uh, some people are natural list makers. I'm not a list maker. Just so like uh, all I have is I can prioritize it in my head. I might put it in my phone, but I'm definitely not a list keeper. Oh, well, here, let me encourage you to become a list maker. Okay. And the reason you should do that is because of Bluma Zeingartnik. What a who, what, what? Bluma. Okay. Bluma was, in 1927, a Russian graduate student that tripped across something in her observation of waiters as they delivered their food. Okay. She found that waiters seemed to remember their current order that they had to deliver more than they did previous orders. So the recall on what they were currently working on was much higher than the recall on prior orders. Hmm. So she got to study this. And it's now a well-established fact, and it's called the Zygarnik effect. And now the Zygarnik effect basically says this, that we'll remember uncompleted tasks better than we remember the completed ones. So anytime you think you've got to do something, 
your brain keeps reminding you, oh, I've got to do this, I've got to do this, I've got to do this, right? I mean, you yeah. get this nagging thing in your head. Right. Pretty soon your head is filled with all these constant reminders that you've got to do something. Absolutely, I'm consumed by them. Yeah, I was on Facebook last night and I happened to be looking through a, a feed and someone commented, I'm not even going to say it because it's going to create a problem, but they, they commented on a song that somebody had posted on their wall, just the title of the song and some of the lyrics, which created them playing that song over and over and over in their head. Have you ever had that where you can't get a song out of your head? Oh, my wife does that to me three times a day. Yeah, it's called an earworm. And these earworms <laughs> come up because our mind wants closure. Yeah. So the way you get rid of an earworm is you actually listen to the song and let it finish. Then your brain says, okay, we're done. Hmm. So the way you get all these tasks out of your head, of course, is to finish them all. Well. But yeah, that's kind of impossible, right? Because you're always putting more things in. Yeah, it's never ending. It is never ending. And so your brain's going to get constantly cluttered trying to remind you of all the stuff because it doesn't want to forget. It's important to you. So it's reminding you. You got to mm. get it done. You got to get it done. You got to get it done. Pretty soon you go nuts. Well, well, here's the beauty of it. When you write it down, that's the same in your brain as completing it. I mean, it quiets your brain because as long as your brain knows that it's somewhere, well, somewhere reliable that you can retrieve it, it doesn't feel the need to keep reminding you that you need to retrieve this. Wow. So the Zygarnik effect really points to the need for us to keep a list of all the stuff that we need to get done. Oh, man. I hate lists. <laughs> Write My wife it down. is a list person, but I'm not a list person at all. Start writing it down. You'll find that it quiets your brain, allows you to focus on tasks. There's lots of apps out there that you can use. <laughs> um, Back to the earlier comment. Sorry, now I'm going to laugh every time I hear apps. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of apps you can use. And if you haven't read David Allen's masterpiece, Getting Things Done, he has a terrific system for how you organize. It's kind of the de facto organization system for how you organize your task lists yeah. and how you dispatch tasks, and I recommend you read that. But clearly, always know what to do. Always write it down. Quiets the Zygartnik effect in your brain that is there to constantly remind you you've got to get something done. You'll mm. work more quietly and more productively when you do work. That's so interesting. I have a friend who's got OCD. He's got a severe case of OCD. Basically what you just described is his, uh, he's just got a very extreme version of that. So he, I mean, it sounded, it was really sad actually just listening to him break it down. He'll walk through a door and he'll close the door, but his mind doesn't register that the mind or that the door is closed. So he has to keep opening and shutting it until his mind registers that the door is closed. Even though he's seeing it happen, he has to keep doing it over and over until his mind accepts the fact that the door is closed before he can walk away. Mm. That's basically what it just Same sounds thing. like. Yeah, it just sounds like a, a lot. I mean, it's a lot more minor version of OCD for us. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Mm. Yeah, well, the brain is there to serve us. And the way it serves us is by reminding us of something that we think is important. Hmm. Don't want to forget that. Don't want to forget that. Don't want to forget that. Right. So writing a list down is a way to quiet that. Wow. Or, or writing it on a list is a way to quiet that. I like that. So third strategy I want to have us talk about is to work in 20-minute blocks. To work in 20-minute blocks. To work in 20-minute segments of time. Why would I? That, that sounds very inefficient. Why? Well, there's a number of reasons for doing that. Uh, first of all, when you work until you get a project done to completion, yeah, you end up depleting a lot of that willpower that we talked about uh, right away. So the longer you work into your zone of fatigue, hmm. the more you have to call upon your stamina and willpower and resources to stay at it. Okay. So if you work in 
20-minute blocks or the Pomodoro technique suggests 25, but I don't have the patience to make it the extra five minutes, so I, <laughs> I go with 20-minute blocks. When you work with a 20-minute block of time, regardless of whether you finish or not, you can keep your energy focused better for that period of time that's sustained. And mm -hmm. then you take a break, take a 10-minute break, then start another block of time. What, what do you do in those 10 minutes? Well, you can do whatever you, you want to. It's, it's free. Get, get up, walk around, go, go to the restroom, grab some water, do whatever you need. And it doesn't need to be a strict 10 minutes. Okay. It'd just be a few-minute break. Um, I suggest two kinds of, of blocks of time that you work in. One, I call a focus block where you're working on the task, and that means you've minimized distractions, you've shut down all your apps on your computer except whatever you need or whatever you're working on. If you're not using a computer at all, great. Your phone is off. Uh, distractions are down. Maybe you have your headphones on, you're listening to some classical music or something that might allows you to concentrate on the task at hand. Hmm. Then set a timer for 20 minutes and race it. See how much you can get done before the 20 minutes are up. And mm. I found that my productivity on a given task, if I'll say, I'm going to try to get this done within two blocks of time or within a block of time, mm. 20 minute block of time, I find that when I race against the clock, I am much more, I enjoy it more and I get a lot more done that mm. way. In part because I've really minimized my distractions. I focused on that and I know that it's not forever. That's mm. the key. Yeah. When I think it's, I've got to work on this until it's forever. Yeah. Then I get discouraged. I start getting more easily distracted. I allow myself to go hopping over on the internet to, hmm. you know, check out some links or whatever. Yeah. When I know it's only 20 minutes, I go, that's easy enough to do and I can stay with it. Hmm. Now, there's another reason to do that as well. Okay. And when you give yourself a break and you do something in your break time that isn't requiring or taxing your concentration or your willpower. In other words, you're doing something that doesn't require you to, to learn new skills. Your brain actually assimilates what you've been working on before and increases your, your comprehension and your learning. Hmm. Now, writers know this real well. When they write a draft, they have to let it sit there and incubate. So they don't ship it off to their publisher they let it sit for a day or two interesting now the words don't change yeah, right over yeah. that day or two but they come back and they look at it and their brain has assimilated everything that they've been writing and when they come back and look at it they find more powerful and richer ways to revise what they've written hmm. so really what they're allowing to stew is not the words on the page it's the words and the concepts in their head so that when they go back at it their revision is much more lucid and and helpful than if they just shipped it off uh, once it was done. Yeah, which is also a good pattern for any of us doing work that needs to be examined by others. Mm. Is to say, let's I'm going to let it soak mm. because when I come back at it, I can make it better after giving it a break. Wow. Now I recommend two kinds of uh, blocks of time. One that's a focus block, which is 20 minutes where you're working on a task, regardless of whether you finish it or not. At in 20 minutes, you take your break. Okay. And the other is a freedom block. And in a freedom block, you do anything. So I might work on email. I might do a little bit of organization. But you're giving yourself license to say, this 20 minutes is not wasted time. It's free time. Wow. You know, it's kind of like when you're back in kindergarten, you know, and you kind of had your nap time or whatever, you know. You, yeah. You, you get this just to do whatever you want. Wow. So it allows you to take a day and carve it into some blocks of time. So when I set out on a task and I think, okay, well, I've got to do this particular project. 
uh, might be some work that I'm doing for a client. Uh, I might sit there and think, I think this is going to take three focus blocks. So I'll plan a morning where I'll take three focus blocks, but I'll intersperse them with a freedom block. Hmm. And I'll see how that, how that works. And I'll race myself every 20 minutes to try to accomplish something. Wow. That would be such a massive shift for me. I wouldn't even know where to make that happen or how to make that happen. That'd be such a huge shift for me. Yeah. And this is what I'm saying. These are shifts that you need to take if you want to really supercharge your productivity Hmm. because just being proficient isn't the same as being productive. Right. It might need some structural changes to make that happen. Wow. That's crazy. So I feel, I mean, I, I would say this, that third one, it's hard for me to grasp that and make it real for me in my work schedule with the amount of things I have to manage and oversee at the same time because there's so many people involved. That's a really hard one for me to grasp. That's very challenging for me to grasp. I'll say that. And But then book yourself into a meeting. Hmm. Uh, you can create a calendar appointment, right? Or you're, you're in a meeting, you're having a meeting with yourself. Yeah. And a meeting with yourself is to work on a couple or three focus blocks yeah. over that period of time. Hmm. So that's one thing you can do. Now that. you can apply these focus blocks in another way. Okay. You ever struggle with procrastination? Uh, daily. Okay. Yeah. So I love what novelist Raymond Chandler came up with to tackle procrastination. Okay. <laughs> he, it's called The Nothing Alternative, and I learned about this from reading Roy Baumeister's book, Willpower. And in The Nothing Alternative, he basically sits down to write, and he finds that he keeps putting off writing. You know, you know, when I procrastinate, I find that I'm most productive on everything that <laughs> needs to get done except the very thing that I'm supposed to be working on. Right. You know? yeah. My desk gets cleaned, my garage gets cleaned, right. you know, everything gets cleaned except focused on what I need to be working on. So Raymond Chandler's suggestion in his approach is the nothing alternative, which says, I'm going to make a choice. I'm either going to work on the task at hand that I've been procrastinating about, or I'm going to do nothing. That means I'm going to sit in my chair and I'm going to stare out the window or whatever, but I will not allow myself to clean the desk. I won't allow myself to do emails I won't allow myself to get busy with any other thing. The only other option is to sit there and do nothing. Wow. Now that's getting boredom to work for you. Eventually, if you sit there long enough, you'll be bored and you'll choose to do something. Now, if you have the task is to say your agreement is you're either going to do the task or you're going to do nothing. Then you turn boredom to be your ally and you have it working for you. I love that. I know that would work on me. Yeah, and it's worked on me. I've tried it, and... I hate being bored. I've talked to a few people who said it doesn't work on them. They just love sitting there. <laughs> that is the opposite of me. Yeah, I me take, too. Yeah, it would take me two minutes max before I lose my mind. Like, right. all right, this task sounds good now. Right, right, exactly. I, that's a it brilliant idea. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Now, it may not work for everyone, but you might find that it works for you. What was his name again? Raymond Chandler. Raymond Chandler. Yeah. I love this guy already. <laughs> That's going to work. Well, let's let's come up to the challenge me segment. All right. Tell me what it is. Well, I'm going to challenge you, Armin, okay. and perhaps our listeners, to take one of the productivity strategies we talked about today 
and try it out this next week. Can I do the boredom one? Is that, is do that the boredom one, yeah. Is that, is that, cause I, that wasn't one of the three, was it? Well, that, that would be working in the 20-minute block one. Do that one. That's great. Well, whatever oh, okay. you found that you, you could pick out. Deal. Do that one. I will, because that one's definitely going to work. I really hate boredom. You have no idea how much I hate being <laughs> well, bored. Well, that's great. Well, try that, and let's report back next week and Done. see how it, see how it went. Done. <laughs> I'll absolutely do that. <laughs> great. So, okay, uh, we ha- we, your ebook on productivity tips. I really find that helpful. Hmm. Is there a possibility that people might be able to get access to that still, or is that... Yeah, you know, I've taken that off my website. I had it on my website for people who subscribe to my blog that they could get a copy of it. I've taken that off because I'm redoing it to put out on Amazon. But if you want a copy, I'll let you in the back door. If you sign up to my blog, I can let you have a copy of the ebook, 10 Strategies to Get More Done. And I'd love to get your feedback on it. I am making revisions to it. But you can get to that by going to LarryGates.com. That's L-E-A-R-Y-G-A-T-E-S.com slash 1010 strategies. Or go to our show notes at reinventure.me slash 20, which might be easier, and I'll have a link in there for you to do that. Oh, perfect. The link would probably be the easiest. Yeah. Okay. Well, if you like this episode, love for you to leave a review for us on iTunes or Stitcher and tell your friends. Uh, you can find the iTunes link at reinventure.me slash iTunes. That'll get you straight there. Or to get to Stitcher straight away, go to reinventure.me slash Stitcher. I want to give a shout out to John Murphy, MN, who gave us a great review on iTunes. He enjoyed our uh, past episodes, Armin, on resistance and branding. And uh, those were episodes number 18 and 19. And if you have a question for us or you'd like to make a comment, please visit our website at reinventure.me or call our our number, our our toll number, <laughs> toll free if you're using a mobile phone and you don't have any long distance charges, 612-314-5447. Love for you to join our discussion on Facebook at facebook.com slash me. And on behalf of my co-host, Armin Asadi, and myself, I want to thank you for listening to this episode of Reinventure Me. You've been listening to the Reinventure Me podcast with your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. <laughs>